Church, I'm excited to share from Scripture with you today. We have an incredibly important, encouraging message. But before we get started, I just want you to know, I miss you guys so much. I miss gathering in person, and I can't wait to get started on that again. I pray for you guys, and I'm thinking about you guys on a daily basis, minute by minute. And I, I know that there's so many needs happening in our congregation right now. And so thank you for praying for other people. Thank you for caring, for delivering meals, for helping to meet needs. You're making a difference. And I have been so encouraged to watch the way that God has used you during this incredibly strange time. And it has been a strange time because, I mean, just some of the emotions are weird. It's like we're not doing as much, but sometimes I feel more tired than I should with how little we're doing. I don't know if you, like me, have got to the end of a day where you're like, I don't want to cook, I want to lay down on the couch, I want pizza to magically arrive at my doorstep, and with a couple clicks on my phone, it does. I don't want to do dishes, so we eat on paper plates, and after we have our very healthy pizza dinner, it's like, let's hit dessert a couple times before we get to bed, and I'm becoming convinced that we call it COVID-19 because we're all going to put on 19 pounds during this time. Like, it's a legitimate concern for me. I stepped on the scale. It's time to make some corrections in my life right now. And you're, you might be saying to yourself, okay, Paul, stay in your lane, Jesus boy. Like, get to, get to the Bible. Don't be getting in my business about my food. And I'm going to stay in my lane, but I got to go where my lane is taking me. And if you put two to two together right now, you understand where we're going today. In the passage that we have been studying, the third area where we're called to holiness is holiness within our bodies, that, that we treat our bodies in a set-apart way. And I want to go to the passage as we get our morning started together. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, it says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. Now, I want to go back, just in case you missed it. Let's go back to the first verse, because I want to draw your attention to this spot right here. That scripture is very clear that the way that we treat our body matters, and there is a call to being holy in every way, and don't you think that that leaves out how we treat our body? The way that we treat our body it matters, and it matters for many different reasons. But God looks at this body that he's given us, and he says, the way that you treat it is part of your worship of me. The, the way that you care for the body that I've given you matters. And as the Apostle Paul writes this, I want you to know that the people that he was writing to, this wasn't as obvious as I think it is to us. Like, I think we genuinely know, okay, I'm not supposed to sin with my body. I'm supposed to take care of it. I'm supposed to keep it healthy. I think that we generally lean that way a little bit. But the people that he was writing to, the Greek citizens, one of the philosophies that was prevalent among the time and prevalent among even some of the churches that the Apostle Paul continually tried to correct was this philosophy known as Gnosticism. And what they believed is that all matter was just inherently evil. That the earth, that our bodies, that it was just inherently evil. And because it was so evil, it didn't really matter what you did with it. 
Like you could just use and abuse your body because it's, it's bad anyway, and, and so just do whatever you want, and it doesn't really matter. And so as the Apostle Paul is writing to them, and as God is speaking to them, he's saying, make your body holy. And in their mind, they're like, wait a minute. Like it's, it's a body, it's matter. Like does that, does, should we think about that? Like should we consider that God has things to say about how we treat our bodies, because they thought that any indulgence was just pretty much okay. You take care of your spirit and the body didn't matter. And he is including this for a reason. And I want to remind you in case you've gotten far away from it. That your health, that your body should be set apart unto God. That we should treat it as something that should be holy. And I want to say that it's easy during stressful times to let things in our body get out of control. It's easy to seek satisfaction and peace from other places when there is so much stress in the world. And I love how real scripture is. And I've gone to this passage so many times for personal reminders and encouragement. And as I teach you guys, I want this to be in your mind too. The Apostle Paul, who's writing these scriptures and writing these calls to us, he experienced struggle. It wasn't always easy for him. In Romans chapter 7, we're going to put this up on the screen over here. In verse 22, the Apostle Paul is writing and, and he's describing the struggle that happens. And he says, first of all, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law. He's saying, in my heart, I love God. In my heart, I want to do the things that scripture instructs me to do. In my heart, in the inside of who I am, in the truest place of who I am, I want to do the right things. He's saying, that's where I'm at on my inner being. But then continue to the next passage. And he says, but I see another law at work in me. Like this is happening inside of me. It's waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Let's stay here for a minute. I want you to see that he's saying, I acknowledge, I see it happening within myself, that there's this other truth happening, that there's a fight. And in fact, he calls it waging war against the law of my mind. And I want to tell you that if there's a war that's being waged, on one side, he's saying that this other thing that's trying to draw me to do the wrong things, it's waging war against me. It's waging war because he's waging war back. Like there's a struggle, there is a fight. And I don't want you to hear from the Apostle Paul, him saying, you know what, I struggle with this. Like I have difficulties. I don't want you to hear that and think, oh, well, if he struggled, then I get to struggle too. And I'll just struggle however I want because man, everybody struggles and nobody's perfect. Can I just tell you that it's a pet peeve of mine when, when I ask someone a question and say, well, nobody's perfect or I'm not the best in the world. That just grinds on me because it's such a cop-out. Like saying, well, nobody's perfect. Well, that's fine that nobody's perfect. We understand that Jesus was the only one. But that does not exempt me from doing my absolute best. Because someone else is better than me, because one person in the history of the world is the best. I'm not the best in the world at that. Because one other person is better, that just means I don't have to try. No, that's not how it works. All right? It doesn't matter that you're not the best in the world. It doesn't matter that you're not perfect. What matters is, are you waging war in the fight that you need to fight? That if there's a struggle in your life, does it feel like you're waging war against it, or are you just letting it happen? Because I get none of us are perfect, and you're not going to be perfect all the time. But church, what I'm telling you, follower of Christ, what I'm telling you, the struggles, the shortcomings in your life, you should be waging war. 
It shouldn't be just walking all over you in your life, in your spiritual life, in your family life, in who you are at work or who you are at school. It shouldn't just be rolling right over you. There should be a war that is waged for doing the right thing when your heart is God. You know, starting at that point where the Apostle Paul started, in my inmost being, I delight in God's law, but there's this other law at work in me, and it's waging war against my mind. And when it says my mind here, this isn't psyche, this isn't soul, that's the emotions, mind, and will, like we talked about last week. This talks about what you know. Like, that's the direct translation, like the things that you know. It's waging war against the law of the things that I know in my mind. Like, this is directly calling out, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I'm doing it anyway for some reason. I feel compelled to do it again, even though I know it's destructive. Drug abuse is so prevalent in the culture. It happens in so many homes that we wouldn't think it happens in. And I know that people listening to this today, they're in a fight for their sobriety. And I want to encourage, you have to keep fighting and you have to keep waging war. When you feel like you're going to do something that you know you shouldn't, you have to fight it. And I know that that might be further than where you're at, but maybe you're struggling for eating in a healthy manner. Some of you guys, you know that in order to honor God in my body, I need to lose some weight. And you know I should not be following up my large pizza with a large key lime pie. I feel the struggle. But you have to take action and fight and actually take the steps rather than just knowing I shouldn't do this. But you know what? I'm not perfect. No, wage war. Fight the fight. Do what you know you need to do. At the same time, I know there's people on the other side of that, that you're not eating enough because you're so connected to an image of how you should look that you haven't been taking care of your body because you've been starving yourself and you need to wage war to be healthy as well. And listen, God doesn't impress on our heart things that we know need to change just to make us feel guilty. God doesn't want you to live in guilt. And in fact, this is why he calls us out of sin is because he wants us to live free from guilt. He wants to free us from those sins. He wants to free us from those chains. But I think that one of the struggles is one of the things that the Apostle Paul expresses in verse 24. As he goes on, he says, What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? You know, this right here, I think the shame It comes out, it says, I know that this fight is going on and I love God and so I shouldn't have this struggle and I'm just, I'm wretched. Shame can be a killer and when we experience this feeling of a need to change, there's part of us that says, you know what, you should just keep this secret. You should just keep this to yourself. You you should just ignore this problem. But part of healing is bringing things out into the light. And if there is a war that you're fighting for holiness in your body, if there is a fight that you're fighting to get free from addiction and and remove these chemicals from your life, one of the first things that you need to do is say, you know what, I know I need to change, but that shouldn't lead me to shame because shame leads me to hiding, and hiding doesn't promote healing. So I've got to stop hiding if I ever want to heal, and I've got to bring this out. And that's how you get free from guilt. You don't get free from guilt by just pretending it's gonna be okay. God does not speak into your life and say, you know what, yeah, you're you're smoking those cigarettes and it's gonna cause you cancer, but it's probably gonna be okay. No, I believe God impresses on our heart when when a substance has a hold of us in a way that would be termed as addiction, 
When it has control of us, God speaks and says, it's time for you to be free of that. And the conviction he puts on our heart isn't shame, it isn't guilt, it's conviction to change. And if you're feeling the impression that there's something that has been happening repeatedly in your life, there's something that's causing consequences in your family that you don't want to be there, I believe that God is convicting and is driving change because he wants you to be free of guilt. He wants you to be free from the experience of having that weight on your shoulders. He wants to see holiness happen in your body. In scripture, God's call is clear that he does not want anything of this earth to have mastery or reign or control over us, but he wants us to be free to live for him and free to live for his kingdom. I wanna show you this passage in Romans chapter six, verse 12. It says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of your body, of yourself, to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. I want you to stay right there for just a minute. For sin shall no longer be your master. Uh, I think that this is beautifully written because it just, it highlights the fact that when we start our walk with God, we are coming from a place where there's things in our life that have a hold of us that should not have a hold of us. That, that it has mastery over us and that we have to find freedom from those things because we're no longer under that law. We have been moved to a position of being under grace. And if we can go back to verse 12 real quickly. Therefore, do not, let, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. There, there are desires that are there, but they need to be replaced with desires that lead us towards the kingdom of God. They, they need to be replaced with something that leads us towards healthy results. And this is an exchange that happens as we wage war, as we seek after what God has for us. And so when it comes to the things that feel like they might maybe creep into that area. It's like you don't want to admit yet that something has mastery over me, that, that I am having some sin reign over my life, but maybe this might be a little bit too close to it. I just want to ask you a couple quick questions about the things that you say they might maybe possibly, potentially just a little bit be a problem. Those things, could you go a week without obeying its desires and its commands? That if it's alcohol... Now look, a glass of wine is not a bad thing. A bottle of wine in one night, that is a bad thing. And if it's alcohol, can you go a week without a single drink? Would it create a physical response for you if you put down alcohol for a week? I think one of the most relatable ones right now to our culture is your cell phone. <laughs> Could you put down social media and the other distractions of your cell phone? Could you put it down for a week? If it's a substance that, oh, you know, it's something that I just did with friends, could you stop for a week? In, in these areas, it, it tells you that if I feel just a little bit of stress rise up inside of me when I think of what it would be like to live without that pleasure without that indulgence for one week, if you feel a stress response, I want to tell you that's a warning sign. 
If you feel like you can't do without that thing for one week, it probably has a little bit of rain in your life that it does not need to have, and you need to find freedom from that. And you need to understand that what happens in your body is so incredibly important. And it's not just because you, it's because your body is not just your own. I want you to see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. Go back to that passage one more time because, man, this is just beautiful to me. First of all, the Holy Spirit of God, God's presence himself, he says, in your body is where I make my dwelling place. And as you study the Old Testament, you see how serious God was about his dwelling place, about how people entered it, about how it was treated, about what was inside of it. God was so passionate about protecting the place of his presence, and now you are the place of his presence. You deserve respect and care, and you should be healthy, and you should take care of your body just for that reason. But here's the other huge and beautiful piece. The Spirit is with you, who is in you, whom you have received from God, but you are not your own. Listen, you were bought at a price. When you cried out to God for salvation, he paid the price for you, your spirit, your soul, your body, by the blood of Jesus Christ. It was no cheap payment. And he says, now you only have co-ownership of this temporary home that you walk around in. And so you are saying by crying out to Christ, by saying, I'm a follower of Christ. I I am just co-owning this. And so now I submit myself to God's instructions, to, to his decrees, that what he says about how I'm supposed to live I'm going to live that way because this body is not just my own. I've been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ and I celebrate that and I know that I have been purchased because the Holy Spirit resides here with me and so my life has got to look differently. And I know that there are so many different categories and and I really don't feel like I have to invest much time into telling you the area that you need to change because I believe the work of the Holy Spirit, one of the first things that he does is he convicts the world of sin. He convicts us of where things need to change, of where we need to be sharpened in our life. And so I don't really need to go through and name all the issues that it might be because I believe that he brings that right to your mind and to your heart. But I want to give you a couple ways that you can grow in this area of making our body holy this week. So I'm going to give you three biblical truths and three life applications to help you apply this to your life. And we're going to start right here with the first one. My body, and this is just a truth that you can pray out, that you can remind yourself of, my body is the place where God dwells. Now, I don't know if you were like me and you were raised in a a very... um, traditional church. I was raised, occasionally we would go to an Episcopal church, and it was one of those places with the big, huge pipe organs. And the, the pews were all wood, and there was, you know, a person who wore a really tall hat and a robe, and we stand and sat and kneeled and stand, stand and sat and kneeled, and then we left there. But it was one of those things that as you were around inside of that place, you were very quickly taught, this is not the place to run. This is not the place to be loud. This is not the place for laughter. This is the place to be serious. And it was taken very seriously. And, and I'm not trying to badmouth them, but, but it's just one of those things that we understood that in that house of worship, there, there was a serious atmosphere. And it was taken that way by everyone who came. I wish 
that we took the temple of God, our body, as seriously as some people take buildings that house pipe organs and pews. We treat buildings with much more respect than we treat our bodies. And I want to tell you, scripturally, God does not live in that building. God does not live in a church building. God does not live in Island Coast High School where we meet. God lives in the body of the believer. The Holy Spirit resides in the body of those who believe. And the way that we treat our bodies are so much more important than the way that we treat buildings that we build to house us together when we worship. Because the true church is the assembly of the people and not the building. And how you treat your body, it matters. And so how do we begin to fix what's been going on in our body if there's areas that we need to correct them? And the word that I would give you as far as the the practical application is detox. I say detox because I mean if there's something destructive in your life, it's time for you to detox it. That if it's your cell phone, spend a week without it. That if it's overeating, then you say for the next week, I'm going to eat in a healthy manner and I'm going to start by throwing away the food that I know is destructive to my body. If it's cigarettes or or any sort of drug, then I'm getting rid of it and I'm detoxing for a week. And if God is convicting your heart that there is changes that need to start in my body, my first encouragement to you is that in the next seven days, go hard after it. If it's something like eating, you know, balance the food a little bit more, add some desserts next week, But the next seven days, just say, I'm going to get started with passion and energy, and I'm going to wage war in the way that I go. And I'm going to start with a detox. The second truth, the second statement that I want you to remind yourself is that my body belongs to God. This is an important truth because we should treat things that don't belong to us a little bit better than the things that are ours. And we need to recognize that my body does not just belong to me, but it belongs to God. It has been purchased with a price. And I say my body belongs to God because there is a certain authority that is his above me. That that I say my body is his. It's not just that I belong to him, but it's saying I give him the authority over the way that I treat this body. That it's not just me, it's not just my opinions. And I've had so many people in my ear who've told me, you know, I'm a grown man, I'm gonna make my own decisions I understand you're a grown man, but the I'm going to make my own decisions, you are going to make your own decisions. But if you say I'm a follower of Christ, there's certain things that you should have made decisions about that you're going to do it his way and not your way. That that you've tested them enough, you've hit your head against the wall enough that by now you should have recognized that I need to do things God's ways and not my own. My body belongs to him, therefore I'm going to live according to his teachings. The application for this one might actually be a little bit surprising to you, but if my body belongs to God and that's true, then the application of how I can get healthier in this area is actually worship. The application is worship because worship is not just the singing of songs and the studying of scripture. What Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says is, therefore I urge you brothers, I mean hear hear the force, hear, hear, hear the, the immediacy of action that needs to occur. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now listen, it's not just about singing, but it's the way that we live. The sacrifice, the living sacrifice, that as I go through my day, 
I want to do this. I want to yell. I want to scream. I want to have my way. I want to do what feels good to my flesh. I want to eat the food. I want to smoke that or drink that. That feeling that you have, those are things that you have to sacrifice to God because you know, as I give you this, you're going to give me something better. You're going to free me from addiction and you're going to free me from guilt and you're going to set me free to live in this grace that you've poured out. And so we have to worship and we have to recognize that the way that I treat my body is part of my worship. The way that I treat this body, it shows worship to God. And you know this because when you see someone making healthy choices and they say, well, God got a hold of my life and so I got clean from the drugs. God got a hold of my life so I started eating right. It just resounds with us and we say, yeah, that makes sense. I understand how you were able to make that choice because you're doing it for God. And especially amongst men, there's this thing that kind of makes us want to be timid in our worship, which is so strange because men love to be courageous. We love to be brave, but there's this unhealthy thing within our heart that says, just be timid, just be easy, just kind of sit back a little bit, be back on your heels when it comes to the way that you worship God and singing in the way that you live your life, that kind of worship, just kind of keep it on the DL. But we need to be brave. And it's not helping us. It's not helping us. It's maybe protecting our ego when we choose not to worship big and loud and passionately. But it's not helping us do what we were designed to do, which is really what gets to the heart of the third thing that I want to tell you is that the third truth you need to remind yourself is that my body was made to honor God. My body was made to honor God. This is why I'm here on earth. This is part of my design. I have been enabled to live in a way that brings honor and glory to my heavenly father. And this is such a cool thing. It's part of what you can do when you are able to do it. That God moves in our heart and he gives us the ability to lift up his name, to, to help other people see the love and the compassion and the mercy of our God, that he works through us to lead our families and our coworkers towards him. Like we have this amazing opportunity to honor God and the application of how this is lived out is simply that you have a purpose. And I think that this is why we get moved in the wrong direction so often is because we have something inside of us that says and drives, you should be doing something significant. Your life should be making a difference. And we seek after so many things that are destructive in this search for significance. And God says you do have a purpose, but it's not in any of those things that you were chasing. When we live our life and we miss out on the purpose that God has for us, we try to fill it with so many different things. When we stay home, when we should be out making a difference, we miss out on so many incredible experiences. And it reminds me so much of King David in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1, where it talked about the kings would be going out to war, but King David decided to stay home. And we, we have this encounter that, that is famous throughout scripture because it's this man who is the man after God's own heart, but he wasn't where he was supposed to be. He was staying home and he's not doing the purpose that was designed for him. And he's out on his balcony one night and he sees a beautiful woman off in the distance. And he's, she, he sees and he knows she's someone else's wife, but he commands it and he's the king. So people listen, has her brought to him. And he falls into something that was destructive for him and his household. And we find ourselves in destructive situations when we're not in the place that we're supposed to be. And so many of us have lived our life so far away 
from the purpose and the mission that God has placed us for. And what you need right now, and I know what you want right now so much, is to find that spot where you feel like, I am doing exactly what I am designed for. God has showed, shown me this spot and he put these gifts in me and I get to make a difference and I'm seeing it help other people. And I know that when you get to that spot where you feel that way, it's like there's joy and there's fulfillment that conquers any of those other addictions that used to have a hold of your life. But you've got to get to that point where you find that purpose and you're never going to find that purpose while you let sin have mastery over you. You're not gonna find that purpose while you just sit back and let addiction keep you held back from where you want to be. So we find our body, we find our life, our spiritual life in this crossroads so many times. Will I stay where I've been seated and miss out on what God has for me? Will I let this addiction slowly destroy my family and my future? Or will I make a change? And what scripture teaches us is very clear that, that God wants to forgive, that when we confess our sins to him, he is faithful to forgive us our sins. And God wants you to know that you're forgiven in his sight as you make that cry out to him. But the healing that we want what scripture says is that when we confess our sins one to another, and this is the design for restoration in your life, that you'd get yourself right with God and you would allow the church to come around and help you experience healing and wholeness. God wants to see holiness in your body. God wants to see your life lived on purpose and mission. And that healing and that wholeness is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I wanna to talk to you directly right now. If you have not asked God to forgive you of your sins, if you have not put your faith and your hope and your trust in Jesus Christ, you need to make that decision today. God desires to see holiness throughout your life, but it starts with what he does in your heart. So this, this is how we pray, this is how we get started. We say, Jesus, I, I confess that you are Lord. And I believe, God, that you raised him from the dead to pay for my sins, and I, I ask for forgiveness now. I ask that you would begin this work of holiness in my life because I want to know my purpose. I wanna know my mission. I wanna see my life change. I wanna be free from these sins. And so, Father, begin your work. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. And I know that as you pray that from your heart, God is meeting you right where you are today. And I have so much confidence in that because it's happened in my life and I've seen God do it time and time again. I'm gonna tell you it's promised in this scripture as well. In verse 24, he says to us, in all these things of holiness that God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. This is what I found. God's faithfulness, it's always there. No matter how many times you failed, no matter how many times you've came short in your life, God will always be faithful. And so if you're wanting to take a step, if you're wanting to get started, I'm gonna tell you, you can trust him. And you can trust that there's a group of people, there's a church here that wants to come around and help you. 
If there's anything that we can do to help or encourage you, please comment over here. Send us a message on Facebook. Email me at paul at gulfsidechurch.com and know that we are praying for you.